You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Good morning, good evening, and good day. Welcome to another awesome episode of Ask a Drone You, as we've got a very interesting update and very interesting to talk topic to discuss today regarding filming in NPS. You remember mm-hmm. they said that if you could film with drones in certain places if you had a permit, well, what happens if it's illegal or unconstitutional for there to be photography permits? That's the topic for today, and welcome to another show. My name is Paul. And my name is Robin. I'm actually really excited. Well, number one, thank you for joining us. It's uh, always a pleasure to hang out with you guys. We appreciate it very much, but I am excited to jump into this subject matter because it seems that there's <laughs> finally a case. Uh, I don't know, where, where we could actually benefit as drone pilots, right? Yeah. So, Anyways, it'll be fun to talk about and to get your thoughts on uh, once we're finished talking about it. So it should be good. It definitely should be good. And honestly, you know, kind of continuing the thought process, uh, Rob, that we get to benefit from this. It's nice that someone else paid the price, liter- like literally the, yeah. m- the money to fight these things. We should because, talk about that, too. Well, what's becoming kind of depressing in this country is that more and more uh, government officials charge people with uh, particular uh, violations of rules and regulations, sometimes not even laws. And they even try to to do this to people across state lines where they have literally no jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And then they say, oh, no, there's a way that we can get to you one way or another. And it, and in order to fight these things, you have to pay more money than the fines themselves often just to say, you're wrong, this is government overreach, mm-hmm. etc. Now, while there are many other uh, dystopian means of fighting these things, we try to stay away from those things as they become dark and negative very quickly. <laughs> so, but my yeah. point is, is the cost to fight these things is astronomical. You, you bring up a really good point and... I think what we should do to help this gentleman out, Mr. Price, is, I think it's Mr. Price. Forgive me if it's not. We'll find out for sure. But we should post. I, I, I saw that he said, again, he or she said, <laughs> we need to figure that out. Anyways, that they're looking for help because it really cost them a lot in terms of how long it took to get production done, et cetera, et cetera. So not just the cost of lawyers and so forth. Some of that might have been pro bono, who knows, but it cost them a lot just putting everything on hold because they were actually filming a a show essentially. So maybe we could give the information for people to help them out if they're so inclined. Yeah, no, I I definitely think that's a good idea. And the topic today is really discussing, you know, pricing and permits for photography on national parks. And there has been a bombshell that has gone off. I know an actual bombshell. No, not (laughs) one like at the end of every show. Really, I'm on that bombshell. Um, That said, I mean, this is a big deal. This is a big deal because as of right now, and I I just want to give this kind of, you know, prerequisite before we get into the question, but it's just crazy that now um, federal court has ruled that permits for photography are quote unquote unconstitutional. 
And this is really changing and causing a massive paradigm shift for all things media collection and aggregation at NPS. And it's also kind of bringing up new questions in regards to how this is going to affect drones. And that said, you know, we kind of want to get ahead of this and talk about this is what we're finding at NPS. This is what the courts found, uh, you know, and kind of go into the definitions that they're providing to say, if you stay within this threshold, it's okay to, to film recreationally or commercially, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so we kind of want to get ahead of this as, you know, drone pilots. This is a great question. And it's an opportunity to also put out to NPS and say, hey, think of drones in this aspect as well. Because when we're talking about what is low impact filming and how that it negates permits, uh, I think drones are very low impact. But we're going to get into all this ad nauseum. Uh, first off, let's actually go. Uh, <laughs> thank you uh, for this question today. But before we get into that question, uh, we'll go into a quick sponsor. So humble brag, as many of you know, we don't really uh, allow advertising anymore on Ask Drone You as it's uh, sometimes very difficult to ensure that uh, your sponsors can follow through and deliver as they as they market. Uh, that said, what we like to do is promote some of the classes that we have going on. And coming up this April, we've got another class on 3D interactive modeling. So this is really creating point clouds and 3D models, interior and exterior. So exterior with drones, interior with various cameras, 360s. We're seeing this all over construction being used. And with Matterport Academy now like a thing, they actually have their own training module. I was like, wow, we were a year ahead of this. We were really on on point with this. We're really excited to go through interactive modeling. If you're dealing in construction, if you're dealing in commercial real estate, if you're working in engineering, restorations, architecture, I think you're really going to find this class extremely valuable. As we go over exterior modeling and all the software that you need to do it, how to do it, but we're also going over the interior aspect of it. And, you know, I have to say, Rob, when I think of why come to a third party vendor class rather than, say, like the manufacturer's class itself, well, we all know that manufacturers, uh, you know, they tend to leave things out that might be really important or not ask a certain question. And, and one thing that I've learned is that experience trumps any customer service rep working at one of these software companies, meaning that in experience, I can sometimes teach these customer service reps more about their own product than they can tell me, you know? It's an interesting dichotomy, I guess, because uh, you've got people probably in the form of the the reps that might be involved in some of the stuff they're doing that are very, very knowledgeable at a deep level of the product, but not necessarily executing on the use of it in the real world. So make a choice. Seriously. Make a choice. It's an easy choice, in my opinion. That's why you got to join us. You got to sign up right now. Go to that 3D interactive mapping class, modeling class, what we should call it. Um, And I think actually we changed the name, but check out the link. It will be below in the description. Um, I believe I'm teaching that one. Is that right? So join me (laughs) for a fun day in class. Uh, As many of you know, I like to entertain as much as I like to inform and giving you those personal experiences. Like, you know, one of the interactive models that we did that was really successful and got the attention of other clients was utilizing 3D models and putting vendors of conference centers, vendors of wedding centers, vendors of event centers built into the model. So that way, different event centers, hotels, et cetera, could have their own 3D interactive menu of services. So, you know, all the time these event people, they're they're trying to sell you on, hey, you know, you want 
a group gathering, you want food, you want this, maybe you want pinatas, maybe you want a certain decor. Well, instead of just seeing pictures, now you can experience that space and experience what it's like with the vendors there. How is that going to affect the space? Is that going to essentially limit the number of participants we can have, etc.? All those decisions become really easy. And when we make things easier for our clients and more convenient, what does it mean? It means more sales because people can understand what's going on. They can relate to it. So join us for that class. I think you'll find it valuable. I think for the price point as well, you'll find it extremely valuable. And don't forget, the more you learn, the more you earn. Because at DroneU, we go beyond flight school. So join us. Hi, guys. This is Robert in Arkansas. I have a question about the price versus bar decision, which eliminated permits and fees for commercial photography in national parks. I was looking over the guidance from the Park Service. And it said equipment would need to be able to be carried at all times, which would seem to exclude drones. I was hoping you might be able to clarify that basis. Thanks. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate the question. AskDroneU.com is most likely where he left his question. So uh, please join Robert in uh, helping us inform the rest of the, uh, the community out there. Uh, and then I have to mention, Robert, I have to ask if he's on the radio because he definitely has like a radio voice. It sounded really nice. So, yeah. It, good job. Yeah. Um, it, it did sound very nice. <laughs> like uh, uh, you. Yeah. It was very speedy as well. But it was definitely very speedy. We needed it. We had to listen to it a couple of times. That's a good lesson for me, though, in all honesty. But thank you for the question. We do appreciate it. And if you have a question, go to askdroneu.com. But uh, Rob, as of January, looks like uh, U.S. District Court of the District of Columbia, they heard a case. And this case is affecting what... NPS can charge for. What are we talking about here? Price versus bar. So what happened? January 22nd, 2021, the U.S. District Court of D.C. issued a decision in the price versus bar case determining the permit and fee requirements applying to commercial filming under 54 USC, it doesn't matter, 43 CFR Part 5 and 36 CFR Part 5 are all unconstitutional. So what does this mean? Well, on National Park's website, it says in response, NPS is issuing interim guidance as of February 22nd, a month later, to manage filming activities. And under this interim guidance, filming activities may still require a permit, so I'm not really sure how that's going to work, uh, if they would impact park resources or the visitor experience. So I always love these. Uh, before we go into what does this mean, what are the definitions that are going to affect who gets, uh, uh, who is affected by this and who is not, I always find it really interesting when government agencies are straight up told by a, a court, this is illegal to have permitting fees for photography, right? But then in their interim guidance, they're like, oh, well, we may require permits. Like, no, no, no. The court just told you no, you know? And it's it's just funny to me how, how again, our country is getting into this really weird air period of time where people who have no legal authority are uh, really trying to push the bounds back and forth. And it's like, it just, it, I don't know, it really gets under my skin a little bit because I understand they're trying to interpret this, they're trying to make rules, but when they still say it may require a permit, even though three sentences above that permitting and fee requirements yeah. are unconstitutional, that come on. That is kind of funny, although I will say, uh, to give some credit, that they hopped on this pretty quickly. 
right? They the did. fact that this is already out and they've issued some interim guidance, I think is obviously a, a win. I, so agreed. some kudos for that. But no, you make a good point that it is unconstitutional. So we're just going to spin it a little bit. Yeah. What is and, What are you guys, a media company? Like, <laughs> are, we, are you the news now? Like, come on. You, you know, I mean, it makes sense. It's uh, and, and I think the, the folks that are probably running NPS, right, they're still trying to make sure they maintain um, a good environment on the public lands sure. that, that uh, they protect them, they protect the people. So they don't want to just kind of open it up willy-nilly, yeah. if you will. So well, and we they're also, trying to find that balance, I'm sure. And I think that they're also trying to negate the the fringe uh, participants who just, you know, really uh, take advantage of the parks and, yeah. you know, don't clean up after themselves and et cetera. But right. when we talk about who does this affect, I think that this is really interesting because as many of you know, when it comes to FAA uh, rules and regulations, the deviation between the rules and regulations is really whether it's commercial <clears throat> or uh, recreational. And when it comes to what is this particular order about uh, photography fees at NPS mean and who does it affect? Under this interim guidance, NPS is not distinguishing between commercial, non-commercial, or news gathering. And they say explicitly that low-impact filming activities will not require a special use permit. But non-low-impact filming activities may require, there's that may require again, uh, may require a permit to address potential impacts, just like Rob said, on park resources or visitor act. Activities. Mm -hmm. So I think you really hit the nail on the head there. And so there, there's a couple things to note here, everyone. This doesn't mean that, you know, drones are just cool wherever. I think that we've really actually figured out what this actually means, who it affects, especially drone pilots. In addition, if we go to the uh, three, uh, there's, a, there's three really big rules under NPS's uh, drone page that I kind of want to tie into this because I believe if you're following this main guidance that it might actually be just fine to fly inside or operate from inside NPS. But there are still certain areas that are explicitly not okay to fly. And I give the example of the wilderness areas. So drone pilots, uh, note number one on this particular subject is that while we have been told the only way to fly drones in NPS is to get these photography permits, they are now gonzo. Okay. And this also does not negate our prior guidance here at Drone U, where we said, look, you can take off and land from outside the park and fly in. It's funny because they even mention that now on our uh, particular our particular page. And then our best friend Copycat copied us as well two years later. That said, what's funny here is that, you know, if, if NPS was telling us you only can fly drones in a certain area when you get the superintendent approval and a, and a photography permit, well, now permits are gone, mm -hmm. right? So, so what does this mean if they're not... If they're not looking at the definitions of who's recreational, who's commercial, the tools that are being used to do photography, then in my understanding, as long as we fly within this low impact filming category that they discuss, that essentially we we could be okay. But there are still circumstances like wilderness areas that well, are not okay to fly. And I think as responsible pilots, and then Rob helped me out here, but as responsible pilots, 
we shouldn't be doing things like harassing uh, birds or uh, really being a quote unquote nuisance to the public, even though there's a lot of subjects. Yeah, I don't think you need any help on that one. <laughs> should be pretty self-explanatory. It's, uh, it, it's good for the industry if we're all responsible when we're flying, right? Whether we're in a national park or not. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. And responsible, you know, don't think of responsible and legal as the same word. Responsible, I think, means mm -hmm. something very different. But that said, you got some? Well, I just wanted to ask. I wanted to, to, to bridge the gap, at least for me a little bit. And that is because drones previously were essentially not allowed in NPS, right? That's right. In, in national parks. And I think that's what our question asker is getting at is, does this mean because of that verbiage in this interim guidance somehow pull drones into now being okay? Well, and so it's interesting because that policy memorandum, which was 1405, and that's just a policy memo. This is just a memo. This is not a regulatory rule or a law. It's just a memo. But listen, that memo was June of 2014. So this was before part 107 as well. I think that's an extremely important hmm. point. This was before the federal government had a means of determining who could have a quote unquote federal flying certificate to be okay to fly. Right. So I think that in doing this podcast, we're actually providing a service, not only to drone pilots, but potentially to NPS to say, this might be a good time to really take a second look at this particular memo, take a look at, you know, the court's decision and bridge the gap. Because in my eyes, I think that this is a new operating environment. And I think it's an opportunity for NPS to maybe say, okay, we went a little too far. And we know that tourists and travelers come to these lands to explore, to take photos. And the tools in which are used, as long as being used responsible, do not dictate a particular ban or means. And so let me go further. So essentially, let's not forget that part of the laws that were unconstitutional was 36 CFR. And in Policy Memorandum 1405 from June of 2014, this said to use the authority from 36 CFR to prohibit landing, launching, or operation subject to certain conditions. And they say that, quote unquote, this is still in force with few exceptions, right? But we also know the exceptions that have been given out, uh, I don't think are, quote unquote, reasonable or fair. If we look at, you know, some of the stuff that was filmed in the national parks by CBS, all that kind of stuff. We've seen stuff in Netflix that, you know, all the time you're like, okay, you say drones are illegal, but let's look at this and this and this and this and this. Why was it okay for them when in, we're talking bigger drones, more expensive equipment, more hazardous to wildlife? Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's yeah. more footprint um, impact. A hundred percent. So that's a perfect segue, Rob, because when we talk about this new uh, court decision, right, this is from federal district court this year. Yeah, this year, which supersedes the authority 2021. Yep, of NPS. So that mm -hmm. said, they state low impact filming activities will not require a special use permit. Once again, not citing tools or equipment that are used. Low impact filming is defined as outdoor filming activities in areas open to the public except wilderness and that 
this sentence is all broken up, so I'm just going to read it. Low impact filming is defined as outdoor filming activities in areas open to the public, except areas managed as wilderness involving five people or less and equipment that will be carried at all times, except for small tripods used to hold cameras. Those participating in low impact filming activities do not need a permit and are not required to contact the park in advance. If low impact filmers have questions about areas where they want to film, they should contact the park directly. Okay, so then the last sentence here, which is a long one, videographers, filmers, producers, directors, news, and other staff associated with filming are reminded that rules and regulations that apply to all park visitors, including hours and closed areas, still apply to filming activities, even if the permit is not required. Check with the park staff for more information on closures, sensitive resources, and other safety tips. Typically, when I call into NPS, they typically send me back to this site. So it's kind of like the 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 loop of the perpetual loop yeah, yes, of uncertainty, yes. which mm, brings to up spin an, you into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Have you give up? So. Notice, you know, Rob, that the question asker really noted this quote unquote carried at all times. Yeah. But there's an exception for small tripods used to hold cameras. Do you think NPS's purpose in this is that it's like a, you know, sub five man crew. They already said that, Mm -hmm. but that everything has to be carried in, i.e. you're not using certain tools or uh, motor vehicles to move a bunch of gear in that if you essentially are, and again, I I think I'm now thinking of national forest service where it's like low impact photography, where you're not having a big crew set up, trample on the lands, park a bunch of vehicles, right? Like a film set. Yeah. I suppose that is very possible. I wish they would have been more definitive in those statements and, and clarified a little bit more because it could also be a mandate still against drones. Yeah. Right. And so I'm in term Robert, in terms of your question, I'm not sure if you are asking, is this a good thing or a bad thing? But your voice was so enthusiastic. <laughs> I'm assuming you were somehow uh, putting in, in, in the form of a good thing. But um, I could be wrong on that because it does sound like, but why wouldn't they just say no drones? Like refer to X about our drone policy. I think it's because, uh, I think it's because NPS is still really investigating and researching the total and potential impact of this court decision because now they have to tread very carefully. Yeah, but wh- okay. So then why say you have, I mean, that's so, maybe it's not to somebody who's in the film industry. Maybe it means a lot more to them than it does to me, but it's very clear that it's got to be a very small footprint, i.e. five or less people, right? So that makes that part clear in terms of what kind of what kind of production, so to speak, you can bring into the, the national park. But then to say you have to carry at all times, that's so ambiguous. Yeah, it really is, because I'll carry my remote at all times. Yeah, <laughs> it's connected. <laughs> right. I mean, so I mean, I mean, I can bring in two drones and one backpack that I'm carrying at all times, you know. But I mean, I just, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good question because it's it, it was the really the heart, the meat and potatoes of our our caller's question, yeah. you know, saying like, well, well, what does that mean to be carried at all times? Yeah, what does that mean for drones specifically? I think is what he's getting at, and uh, I don't know that it really tells us anything other than it's uh, at least from my perspective. After especially after talking about it now, I think what's really being said is you still can't fly drones. 
And see, for me, I say it's like, I mean, obviously I'm not a lawyer. I can't tell you what to do. I'm not a legal interpreter. Um, but based off of what I'm seeing here, I'm seeing that, and, and I want to get into, they define what are not low impact filming and they still define exactly where you shouldn't be uh, photographing whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about those two things because once again, I think that as long as drone pilots are responsible and they don't do these other activities that I, to me, it seems like it's in NPS's best interest to allow uh, drones flying. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I went to a, I went to a park on the way out here and I saw people flying left and right. Like they didn't even care. They weren't even looking up the rules. I mean, people were just <laughs> sure they all had permits. <clears throat> oh, wait, no, you couldn't get a permit for a drone anyway. Yeah, so. but I mean, again, it seems like it's in NPS's interest to allow drone pilots, drone service providers to be in this low impact filming category. Because once again, this is not specific to the tool that's being used. But they have not said that that's the case. True. And I think if anything, the verbiage in this interim guidance suggests that it definitely is not the case because you can't carry at all times the drone. So if I like put my hand, hmm. what if <laughs> yeah, I, you can try to, what hey, if it's tethered? That, mm. yeah, no, I thought about that too. And then I thought, well, who's going to do that? So Peter, <laughs> Peter, <laughs> Peter, PJ. <laughs> but so let's talk about really quick. The NPS does explicitly state what are not low impact filming environments, right? Filming activities that do not meet the description of low impact filming require at least 10 days advance notice to NPS by contacting the park directly in writing. So here's my next question. If I contact the park directly in writing and it's at least 10 days advance notice, and I don't hear anything back from them, then it's okay? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Were you talking about drones specifically, or are you talking about what, it doesn't what, say. what talks about low impact versus not? Low impact versus not. Sorry, yeah. I'm getting back to this low impact because they essentially define that the rule states that if you're a low impact filming, then you, there's no permit. And so that's kind of where I'm at, is looking, that, looking at that definition and saying, okay, well, as a drone pilot, am I low impact or not? And so it specifically says what is not low impact. The park's superintendent will determine whether filming activities will require a special use permit for filming. Well, hold on here. Hold on. January 22nd, the U.S. District Court said no permitting for fees uh, for filming. So anyway, I digress. Based on the information provided, a permit may be required to, quote unquote, maintain public health and safety. That's pretty subjective. Uh, protect environmental or scenic values. So if your operation isn't woke, then it's probably not okay. Uh, protect natural or cultural Ouch. resources. There we go. Well, okay, protect natural or cultural resources, I feel like is a direct cue to what happened with the drone in the geysers of Yellowstone, right? If you're flying super low, a geyser gets you. That is not, you're not flying in a means that would protect natural or cultural resources resources right mm -hmm. but then you get into okay cultural resources what what does that really mean are we talking about like native burial lands if someone goes out and maps a native burial land or something is that a cultural resource i mean there there's a lot of opportunity for interpretation sure. here the next non low impact filming uh specification allow for equitable allocation or use of facilities and then the last one is avoid conflict among visitor use activities. 
Yeah. Man, our our rules are based off of whether whether we're going to offend someone else. (laughs) Well, just, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Check this out. Examples of requests that may require a permit include entering a sensitive resource area, filming in areas require tickets, filming in visitor centers, campgrounds, or other visitor areas. That's pretty open to interpretation as well. The decision to require a permit rests with the park superintendent. So, and then it says contact the park directly if you're unsure whether or not a filming activity is considered low impact or may require a permit. And then the last thing that they go into is the wilderness areas. And this is where drone pilots, you guys should not be flying whatsoever. Uh, These areas have additional laws and policies to preserve their wilderness character for future generations. And then they specifically say... Filming activities in wilderness areas must follow all applicable laws and regulations that govern wilderness areas in the park, including prohibitions on landing of aircrafts. Mm -hmm. So here's how I read that. They are specific about landing of aircrafts in wilderness areas, but that is not mentioned in all other NPS areas. So my deductive mind then says, so I can fly in normal areas as long as I'm not flying near people or over people, which by the way, as a drone pilot, I would want to go at the butt crack of dawn in the morning to go visit these places when there are no people so I can get better shots anyway. But I also know that a lot of people who are buying drones are not uh, considering those things. So I, I don't think like everybody, right? Obviously. Are filmers still required to pay fees to film in parks? Listen to this. Under the interim guidance, National Park is not collecting application, location, fees, or cost recovery for filming activities. Yeah. So. And yet, there's all these instructions on when you might need to get a permit. I know. It's just like, this. it's just fascinating to me. Like, hey, the course just told you you can't charge for fees for filming. And then it says down here, this did not impact still photography. It's like, uh, I think NPS needs to read into videography. Videography, just so you guys are clear, 24, 30 frames per second. That literally means 24 or 30 still photos shown in one second. That makes it a video. That's why it was called a motion picture. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) I know that oftentimes our new modern people negate like the rules of history, but it's so important that we remind ourselves of those rules of history, right? It is. Yeah. It's good to be connected to that. But um, obviously we know the the difference. It it shouldn't be that hard for us to figure out. But um, it does. I didn't realize this. Price versus bar had no impact on how the National Park Service regulates still photography. So we're only talking about videography here. (laughs) <laughs> figure that one out and uh, yet and yet didn't they mention a tripod for a camera mm-hmm. so if you so you take your gear you set up use a tripod apparently that's okay and you push the video record button no permit needed you push the take a picture button permit needed tell me I'd how like, that makes sense tell me how that's enforced <laughs> right. Sorry. Let me see your SD card. Can I don't I, know. <laughs> excuse me. Um, we're now in communist America. Give me your SD card. It's a no unwanted search and seizure. Sorry. Yeah. So anyways, I, um, I suppose it's still a good thing for videographers only, not still photographers, apparently. But it doesn't necessarily do anything for drones at this point relative to the national parks, as far as I can tell. Well, Would you agree m- with that? 
I do not agree with that. I didn't think you did. <laughs> but I still don't see anything that's... I also that's... have learned in this world that, and uh, it's probably not in my best interest to say, but there are a lot of cases where um, it is totally 100% accept- acceptable to uh, ask for forgiveness rather than permission. <laughs> Especially in a world, especially in a world where there's all this overreach. That's all I'm saying. No, no, I don't disagree with that. I mean, you're (laughs) talking, that's actually a different issue (laughs) versus sort of the regulatory climate that we're trying to um, disseminate here. But anyways, I hope that's been helpful. Well, hold Uh, on. There's three more points I want to go over. I'm not done yet. But wait, there's there's more. Always. (laughs) Um, There's going over to kind of the drone page. There's Mm. this specific question that says, if I'm flying an unmanned aircraft in national airspace and do not take off land or operate from NPS lands and waters, is there anything the park could do to stop me? And long and the short of it is they say, if you're doing one of these three things, the answer could potentially be yes. Although I don't understand if you're not inside of NPS, then there's no jurisdiction. But that said, if the unmanned aircraft pursuits or harasses wildlife or creates an intentional disturbance of nesting, breeding, or other activities, they could be cited for violation 36 CFR 2.2. If the user of the unmanned aircraft knowingly or recklessly creates a risk of public alarm or nuisance by causing noise that was unreasonable under the circumstances or by creating a hazardous or physically offensive condition, the user could be cited for disorderly conduct. And then the last one is 36 CFR 2.12 section A subsection 3, which prohibits in non-developed areas operating a device powered by a portable motor or engine, except pursuant to the terms and conditions of a permit. But here we go again, no permits. Right. So, I mean, it seems like there's a there's a tree or a ripple effect of this permitting thing that really affects the definitions of a lot of other rules that are in this same 36 CFR section that seem to necessitate a reinterpretation by NPS. I'm not trying to force NPS's hand here, but I'm saying it looks like that this could potentially cause a lot of other legal you know, battles and fights because of, you know, per- the word permit is in a lot of those rules and regulations. Perm- it could. Permits are now gone. How does that change the the rules of the land, you know? Uh, absolutely, that could all happen. However, we have to be careful. You know this as a high-powered attorney's son, <laughs> that we can't get too broad with the way that we interpret this either, right? I mean, it's specific to 36 CFR Part 5.5, was unconstitutional. 43 mm-hmm. CFR part five was unconstitutional. So there's lots of other parts. There's lots of other circumstances, instances where permits are still totally legit. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's safe to say here, Rob, but there's uh, more news to come. There's obviously, it seems like we need to yeah. get more info and there's nothing else officially from this. But for me, uh, you know, what response would we give to drone pilots? Well, if you look at, again, our previous uh, guidance that NPS even sources and references um, that you can take off and land from outside of the park and fly in, right, that's acceptable. Again, you're limited to visual line of sight and you need to know what that is. That does not mean flying three to five miles away or one mile away or two miles away. It means understanding what VLOS really is 
and being a responsible pilot because I also understand the flip side of the argument with NPS saying that like, look, if you cause a uh, a public alarm and someone gets trampled in a stampede, duh, there's there's got to be legal re- uh, repercussions for that. Yeah. But some Joe Schmo who wants to fly his Mavic Mini over uh, a cliff in a particular national park, in my eyes, it's in the it's in NPS's best interest to allow that mm-hmm. because why? Well, with all government uh, agencies, funding, right? The more people that come in, the more tickets that are sold, the more parking passes, the more entrance fees, et cetera, et cetera. And so it seems like it's actually in the best interest hmm. for NPS to further dive down and really say, okay, these types of operations are okay. These are not. And just and set the bar because a lot of these rules that were used to interpret drone pilots in the past now have a fundamental change of vernacular. That's that's my two cents. That, I want to I want to be a lawyer. I want to go to law school now. <laughs> do it. Now that makes sense, and we'll see what happens. Um, but to this point, they have not changed their stance from that very page that you just read from related to drones, and I don't think this case changes it. Well, well, thank you everyone for the uh, the question. I think this is a great opportunity of how we can build relationships even when we disagree, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you actually disagree. Well, may, I mean, I, I In terms think, of what the, the legalities of it are. Well, and so that's an interesting point itself because if we think about the unmanned aircraft in national parks, this came from a memo, a policy memo. This really isn't, a. there's not really a uh, direct rule You know, they cite 36 CFR 1.5 prohibit launching, landing or operation of unmanned aircraft subject, blah, blah, blah. blah. But if I look at the history of 36 CFR 1.5, it's my understanding that that was really more focused on very wealthy people who are flying helicopters in and out of national parks. So I don't know. I honestly think that this is a phenomenal opportunity once again for NPS to come out and clarify this and uh, to say, you know, look, the we can't charge for filming permits anymore. And how is that? What is that ripple effect? I will say this, um, if I may, before we sign off here, uh, if I can find it. Basically, what it said was, um, shoot, now I'm not going to be able to find it here. I'll go to this place here because blah, blah, blah. Really quick, I do find it really funny, by the way, that the page that says filming permits are no longer legally acceptable and they're unconstitutional. The subline for the page title states filming and still photography permits. Even though further down the page they said, wait a minute, wait a minute, this court decision does not affect still photography, but the title of the page is filming and still photography permits. Yeah. Well, the other thing, so back a little bit, kind of circling back to drones, and it, it says here that the uh, price argues the law is faulty for several reasons, including that imposing a prior restraint on free speech is the essence of censorship. The permit system is akin to press licensing, and the First Amendment doesn't allow the government to make money by taxing expressive activities. Well, see, that's now specific to taxing making money by taxing expressive activities, hence the permit, and therefore they're saying you can't do that. And I'm just trying to, I guess the reason I bring that back up, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how could this be a benefit to drone pilots specifically, 
right? And how does it open things up for drone pilots? And I just don't think that's real clear because I suppose you could make the same argument that, well, I'm just doing expressive activities, but they weren't permitting you in the first place because you couldn't get a permit to fly an NPS. So that's why this, as I think about all this and kind of try to come at it from all these different perspectives, I just don't see that anything's changed for drone pilots. But I'm very curious. And it is, yeah. I know there's a lot of people out there would say, screw the government. I'm going to fly anyways. That's fine. I appreciate that perspective. Um, that's not what we're trying to accomplish here, though. <laughs> so if that is your comment approach, have at it. That's cool. But I'm trying to actually have a conversation about what has actually been accomplished for drone pilots via this this case. And I don't know that much has, has uh, been accomplished in that regard. Well, I would agree that not much has been accomplished, but I think that this opens the door for a lot of accomplishments. I agree with that 100%, and I hope that happens. I Well, hopes and dreams in this country have been dying for the last four to five years, <laughs> so not sure how that's going to go. But well, I, uh, I still hope, um, persist. Hope springs uh, eternal. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, that is going to do it for us today. If you have a question, don't forget to go to askdroneu.com. Send it in. This was a great question, by the way. Uh, one of my favorites in a very, very... Uh, long time. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, so thank you so much. Uh, and uh, that's going to do it for us today. Don't forget, if you still want to become a member and you want to learn, you want to turn that passion of flying into a profit, then you can get our Part 107 class and all the other three dozen classes to help you turn that toy into a tool, to give you specific real-world examples of how other people are making money with their drones. If you want to support us, well, you got to check it out. Also, update for members in the community. A lot of people are probably like, Paul, what's going on with the community? Great news. We got an app coming out. In fact, it should be on the App Store here very shortly. And we are completely moving the community off of Facebook. Why? Oh, because of the Constitution. On that bombshell, that's going to do it for us today. <laughs> My name is Paul. I'm Rob. <laughs> this is Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.